Hey guys, how are we doing? It's Jawad here with the Apex Podcast. Thank you for tuning in this week and big weekend, which, you know, kind of crept up on me because I didn't realise how much racing would be on, but it was pretty entertaining. Of course, there was the Portuguese Grand Prix, but there was MotoGP as well. There was IndyCar, there was World Endurance Championship, the latter of which I couldn't actually... Uh, watch because KO doesn't have the Eurosport channel here that um, was actually showing the race. Not that it was a um, bad thing because I'm like you know I do have a do have to have a life as well. Do have to have some rest from um, sitting in front of the TV all the time. But yeah, three three great motorsports on three great races or four if you include both legs of the um, IndyCar there in in Texas over the last weekend. But yeah, hope everyone had a good weekend and you guys enjoyed whatever it is that you got up to and everything. So, without further ado, looking there at Portugal, Portimao, great track, I love it. Even if, you know, the race probably wasn't the most classic uh, compared to what we've seen so far this year, but Mercedes mastering Portimao, of course, Lewis fending off Max Verstappen and his teammate Valtteri Bottas for a second win this year. Um, going back to qualifying, it was Valtteri who was uh, 0.07 clear of his teammate for pole. Um, Red Bull just did not look like they were on the pace all weekend, you know, all the way leading up into qualifying. Um, that being said, though, Max was left aggrieved by track limits, which was a narrative for the whole weekend, really, um, and has kind of continued into this week. But, you know, there was one of his quality laps that were deleted as well that could have possibly netted him pole position or a position better than um, third, which where he started from. But... Going into the race, it was a clean start there for Bottas, although we had an early safety car, a uh, bit of a inter-team collision there with Kimi Raikkonen all over the back of Antonio Giovinazzi, so uh, Raikkonen unfortunately losing his front wing and Giovinazzi, um, don't think he needed any repairs or anything, but he was able to finish the race, um, and as a result we had to have a safety car to clear the debris on the pit straight, and... It was after the restart that we saw Max really uh, push it and, you know, get ahead of Hamilton. So we thought, oh, well, this is on here. Bottas will be a, um easy target for Max, who's, uh, who's rampaging a bit, but that was not going to be the case. We also saw uh, Lando Norris again, who qualified um, there in the top six or whatever and ended up jumping sorry, he was seventh, yeah, um, ended up jumping Sergio Perez, uh, though Checo did cry foul of track limits at turn four, apparently he thought Lando went off at turn four, but that was later cleared by the FIA and the stewards, so that got a tick in the box, but it wasn't long, I guess, before, you know, Perez got back ahead of Lando, and, um, ended up finishing fourth in the end, so that was a good race for, for Perez, probably his you know, cleanest race, you could say, so far for, for Red Bull, but um, it was ahead of them where the drama was happening, so there was this whole thing about uh, who's going to pit first, uh, what strategy are they going to go on, they all started the race on the medium tyre, so it was just, you know, were they going to switch to the hard, switch to the softs, most guys went hard, um, but it was before the pit stops that we saw 
Lewis to get back into P2, and then by the time we got to lap 20, he was past Bottas as well, and Bottas just kind of not really giving much, putting up much of a fight, you know, Lewis was just able to go around at turn one, and um, around the outside, that is, and from there, it was smooth sailing for, for Lewis, really, I mean, Max was the first to pit on lap 36 out of the top three guys, uh, but once he got on the hard tyre, just his pace fell away, he could not match the Mercedes at all, and, you know, we've always known that Mercedes have been great on the hard compound tyre, so it was really game-set match there for, for Mercedes and for Lewis, and then for Max, you know, the best he could do is come back and finished, finish in P2, so in the second stint, there was a um, engine sensor issue there for Bottas, which kind of cost him his position in second, um, and allowed Max to come back and finish behind his championship rival. Um, both Max and Bottas, though, went for fastest lap at the end of the race. So I think it was two laps before the end of the race. Uh, Valtteri pitted to put on the soft tyres, set in the fastest lap. Then Max does it on the next lap to set the fastest lap. But unfortunately, he fell foul of track limits again, this time at turn 14, and they ended up deleting his lap time, and he also lost the extra point for fastest lap, and while we're talking about that, I guess, you know, there's been talk and whatnot about, you know, Red Bull saying, yeah, you know, the good things come in threes, or bad thing comes in threes, you know, they've had uh, quite a few uh, issues with track limits already this season, Apologies <laughs> for the yawn. Um, going back to in Bahrain as well, where you know basically the win, uh, that the race winning overtake or potentially race winning overtake that Max put on Lewis at the end of the race would have given him the win if it hadn't been done off the track. I, for one, you know, been thinking about this all week, and I, for one, think that. It just gets, a, it keeps getting a bad rap. I don't think, you know, apart from maybe a bit more clearer communication, I don't think the FIA are doing necessarily a bad job in regards to this. I mean, Max said after the race, oh, you know, since when did they have, uh, since when were they monitoring limits there at turn 14? Um, basically saying, you know, oh, you know, that's that wasn't in the event rules or anything like that, but then you look at the event rules after, then the race director, Michael Massey, did um, highlight that, yeah, you know, they were monitoring track limits there at turn 14, so that was just, you know, a bit of a <laughs> error from Max's side and Red Bull's side that they didn't um, didn't realise that and re pointed out initially to prevent it happening, but it's not at all a case of the FIA are picking on Verstappen or, or Red Bull, you know, I don't know where that sort of, that's just the same sort of negativity that people want to come up with just to create a headline, I think, it's a bit unnecessary, um, and as far as what my view on track limits and stuff is that, you know, how many years ago when, before they, for safety reasons, had to start putting gravel, sorry, to had to remove gravel and put in, you know, runoff and all that, um, Back then, would you see drivers taking as much, you know, not taking as, not taking risk, but as such, but 
exploring the limits that far because you know they knew that there's gravel there and that would be really punishing whereas now you know you've got the runoff so they're like oh yeah you know we could probably go in further and you know the consequences is not going to be as um as bad and that's where I see that you know this thing is being exploited it's been like this for the last three four five years you know go back to all the races that we've had in Austria where they seem to be abusing the track limits everywhere on that track, you know, especially, you know, the final corner um, or final two corners, I should say, turn one as well, turn three. It's all just, um, yeah, there to be exploited. You know, the way <laughs> the way I look at it in my head is, you know, um, you don't try exploring or, you know, you don't try exploiting track limits on Rainbow Road, for example. So maybe we should just have Rainbow Road for every um f1 race on the calendar because you know you physically can't exploit any track limits on that track so whilst you know i don't think you know we're ever going to go back to having gravel put in i think you know drivers have just gotta get it into them somehow that you know no you're going to get punished for this so don't do it but the problem is the way it's portrayed as well to everyone is as if it's a bad thing you know if anything we should be saying as fans and pundits and commentators and whatnot should be saying yeah well if he goes off track then he does deserve the punishment it's not it's his fault you know it's not the FIA's fault it's not the stewards fault it's the driver's fault for exploiting what he shouldn't exploit so that's the end of the day like at the end of the day that's how I feel on that I think if anyone's going to try and make it a big deal about oh it's it's happened to Red Bull what two three times now this season that's that's up to them you know that's up to the Max as a driver as well to make the decision or you know get it into him that yeah maybe I should not be exploring the limits as much at this corner um otherwise like if you know they can't reach a compromise then you know maybe bring back the gravel i don't think that'll happen though because of, of safety and everything but yeah that that's that <laughs> so yeah in the end um that extra point taken away from max which was a bit unfortunate for his championship um aspirations still early days yet though so um what is he i think seven points behind or something from Lewis so but he couldn't wait to get out of there <laughs> um, and look forward to the next race but still finishing P2 and completing what was the most common podium I think in F1 you know they've had three 15 times that have these three drivers been on the podium together uh, which has become the most common podium in F1 so there's a stat for you um, and the most common podium was on the podium together uh, this time last not not this time last year but last year at the Spanish Grand Prix as well where we're off to next so Lewis Cruz to a 97th win Max unhappy there in second and Valtteri yeah, well, he got the point for uh, extra point for fastest lap down in in third, but it's really you know he was on pole. He just didn't really put up much of a fight for for with his teammate for the win. Yeah, you know, it's kind of not getting any better for him on his side of the garage, and you can already hear the chatter and whatnot about you know Mercedes looking at a different driver for for twenty twenty two. And good on uh, Mercedes as well for getting the 
test organized for Roman Grosjean as well. So that came, I think that was unveiled last night. Roman wearing Mercedes overalls for the first time at the Brackley factory as well, albeit they were Stoffel Van Dorn's <laughs> overalls for those eagle-eyed people who spotted that. That was um, that was pretty hilarious. So um, hopefully when he does do his little demonstration and test there at the French Grand Prix later this year, they actually get him some proper overalls with his name on it and, you know, he'll get a, a chance to do some demo runs uh, during the race weekend with um, the W10, so the 2019 championship winning car, and then after the event, they'll do some testing as well. So, essentially, he will get a whole day in that cast to sample what was, you know, or what still is the best F1 car um uh, on the grid, you know, unfortunately for Roman, you know, hovering around in a house for the, the last five years or whatever, not really getting anywhere further than fifth as far as results are concerned, and then really not being competitive in this hybrid era. You look at, you know, how good he was in 2012 and 2013, um, podium after podium, you know, in the middle of having his, uh, one race ban as well there at, at after Belgium in 2012 at the 2013 he was in the second half he was you know probably the second best driver behind Sebastian Vettel so you know it's really difficult and a bit disappointing that his career kind of came to an end the way it did and then obviously surviving that um, near fatal crash there in Bahrain last year and um yeah, you know, glad that he's here, of course, first of all, but um, hopefully this little swan song that Mercedes have afforded him will be the send-off that he really needs as he um, gets into his IndyCar career. Right, as for the rest of the race, so as I said, Perez in fourth, um, back ahead of Lando, and Lando finished in fifth in the end, Charles Leclerc, another sixth for him, not really much to report um, in terms of those two, they just had solid races in their respect, um, but Alpine were the ones who actually had the um, unusually good race, so both the Alpines in the points, Esteban Ocon in seventh, Fernando Alonso eighth, um, it was interesting because Alonso and Ricardo they both really ran late into the race on their first stints. Ricardo, I guess, had no choice given the fact that he qualified down in 16th, and it was a really awful qualifying for him. You know, already seeing comments pop up and stuff like that about you know whether he's actually still got the form or is he just you know wasting his time? What's he doing? You know, because Lando's been top five all season so far, or in the three races that we've had, and also had a podium, whereas Ricardo has not been consistent in qualifying, he's, you know, managed to just scrape through to get some points in the end, when are we going to see Ricardo at his best, and I still think that that won't be too far away, he did say at the start of the year, give him a few races to get properly embedded within this car and with the team and everything, so I don't think it is too far away in that respect, but yeah, Ricardo raced back to P9, of course. Both he and Alonso went until about lap 42 before they pits, the before they pitted for the hard tyre. But unfortunately for Danny Rick, the Fonz was much quicker on the hard tyres and was able to 
get ahead of him and finish P8 and actually put some distance between himself and uh, Ricardo as well. So to the tune of, I think, 11 seconds. So shows you really the pace that Ricardo had at the end of the race there. Uh, but he was comfortably a second clear of Pierre Gasly, who took the final point. So another point there for Gasly and Alpha Tauri. So, yeah, as far as Alpine are concerned, they were a bit confused as well as to why they had good pace here um, this time. So, I would be, you know, complaining if I were them. I don't think they are complaining, but, um, you know, some handy points for them in the Constructors' Championship as well. Um, you never know when they're going to get opportunities like that. But you also had people like Carlos Sainz, who unfortunately missed out on a point you know he came in too early in my opinion for his pit stop and that meant his tires really did fade at the end and kind of fell away and dropped p11 missing out there um and also you know when you look at the aston martins as well they've just had another horrible race um, I don't know whether you call it horrible or what what they're expecting you know what their expectations are but both drivers not being able to score any points. Uh, Vettel down in P13, Lance Stroll behind him in 14th. And this is just after, you know, me giving Lance Stroll a, a good rap last time, you know, after his result there in Imola and in Bahrain as well. So it's really difficult to gauge what their expectations are and what they want to do, like, regardless of the high rake, low rake thing and the disadvantages that they've had as a result of it. You would have thought that Aston Martin would have been in the thick of that battle with uh, Alpha Tauri and Alpine as well, but that's not the case. But again, early days, and you know we will see teams bring upgrades for this next race in Barcelona. So hopefully that puts them up in the pecking order. But uh, yeah, you know no points for Aston. Both Williams and Haas cars as well. They actually finished the race, which was good to see. Um, George Russell, he was you know, put in an impressive qualifying, but he ended up dropping down during the race, finishing 16th, ahead of Mick Schumacher, who had a pretty, pretty good race, I think a lot of people were um, happy to see him make a couple of overtakes, especially um, the two drivers that finished behind him, in Nicholas Latifi and his teammate Mazepin, but, you know, he's just, he's doing the right thing, you know, it's hard to um, kind of get noticed while you're at the back of the grid as well in in what is the worst car on the grid so you know to get some positive feedback and some attention from the media I think is a, is a good thing for for young Schumacher and you know Williams again we know that they're going to be good at some circuits and not going to be great at others so it's just a matter of you know going to a track where you know they are going to be able to be in a position to fight for points like Russell did think would happen at Emila before he crashed with Bottas at the end, and as I said, Raikkonen was the only uh, casualty from that race not finishing early on, and good on Giovinazzi for coming back and finishing 12th in the end too, so that's um, that's Portugal, uh, Mercedes clear in the Constructors' Championship at the moment, but you know, you think that will that little battle will kind of come back and forth, you know, given that Perez is now, you know, up there and he's fighting, so give him a podium or two, I think they'll be quite close, and I really see Bottas at the moment as a bit of a weak link, which is really sad too, so that's probably something that, you know, Mercedes are going to be mindful of, whether that's really going to be an Achilles heel to them, but also, 
Checo as well, you know, he could possibly be the weak link, but so far he has really proved that he isn't, apart from the first race, but that wasn't his fault. And in, uh, in, in Imola, but again, that wasn't his fault. Uh, as as I said before, with the driver standings, eight points, I think. Oh, I said seven, but it was actually eight points separating the two title protagonists, Hamilton at the top, ahead of Verstappen. And then you go back to third place, it's actually Lando ahead of, of Valtteri Bottas at the moment. So good on Lando. His consistency has got him up there. And that's, I think, something to be really excited and happy about, um, given that, all the expectation was for Ricardo to be better than his teammate, but I think this is where people start taking Lando a bit more seriously too. Um, good, good going in the constructors' championship too. McLaren ahead, eleven points of Ferrari, and then you look behind them on thirteen points to forty-two is your next team in Alpine. So battle for third really looks like a two-horse race at the moment, unless of course one of those other three teams, you know, Alpine, AlphaTauri, and Aston Martin managed to uh, drag themselves up into that battle, but it's good to see um, Ferrari also firing a lot better than they did last year because they have two drivers that can score points for them this year. Anyway, so yeah, Portugal, not the most memorable race. I think it still was a reminder of how good Lewis is. You know, a lot of people cringe at the end of the probably cringed at the end of it thinking oh you know here we go again uh, this is going to be another one of those years where you know we have this expectation for a title battle between um, Red Bull and, and Mercedes and Max and Lewis and it ends up just falling Lewis's way but I think Mercedes have actually done a lot of work from where they were in that pre-season test to, to where they are now so I think the ball is in Red Bull's court to to respond here so hopefully we do get that next time out in, in Barcelona and it stays uh, it goes two for two um, out of four races so not even seven days <laughs> not even seven days later we're already at the next race our first back-to-back of the year and Barcelona, the scene of Max's first win back in 2016. It was actually, I think, yesterday um, was the day in 2016 that um, Red Bull announced that it would be swapping its drivers. Um, Danny Kvyat, at the time, who was with Red Bull for Max Verstappen, who would be promoted from Toro Rosso. Still a bit, you know, you know, as much as Max has been great at everything and kind of proved um, his point, you know, in that first race, it, you know, you still can't help but feel, you know, sad for Kvyat and everything that's happened to him and everything as well. So, but, you know, it, we've got Max here now um, and he couldn't really get to, sorry, he couldn't really wait to get here either, especially after the weekend that they had in Portugal. Now, Mercedes... This has been a bit of a fortress for them in the last seven years, you could say. Uh, they've won six out of seven races here, apart from that one in 16, which um, they pretty much capitulated with Rosberg and Hamilton ending up in the gravel there at turn four. But also, Hamilton in particular, he's won the last four races in Barcelona. So, you know, as much as, you know, you want to start putting your bets on Max and him winning this race and Red Bull saying that they're going to be a lot more comfortable here, Mercedes still have the form, Hamilton still has the form, that guy is like a machine, so it'll be 
really crucial, I think, qualifying, especially because of the lack of overtaking around this circuit, that, you know, whoever can get pole position can really assert themselves in the race, but there is a chance of showers uh, for Sunday's race, so could even have the potential for an Imola-esque little battle, but still pole position will be quite crucial, and both Hamilton and Max are no slouches when it comes to the wet conditions, so I think, you know, Max has won, you know, I think quite a few of the most recent epic wet races that we've had, you know, you think back to Germany, you think back to Brazil, or whatever as well, I don't know if he won in Brazil, but he did put on a show there in the wet, but he did win in Imola, when it was wet, so there you go, um, the eight point difference that they have in the championship as well, you know, it's close, so, you know, one result, if it swings in favour of one driver, it will disadvantage the other kind of thing, so it's that kind of tit-for-tat battle that we're hoping that it continues this season, I am anticipating at some point, you know, for someone to go on a bit of a run as well, because that's always the way it works, it's always worked in the favour of the driver that the majority isn't supporting, unfortunately, but that's just it, you know, so it's all about the consistency and everything, and this is where I think the support of the teammates will be quite crucial as well, can we see Bottas actually get his elbows out, not even just on his teammate, but like with Max as well, I think, you know, he's been a bit of a pushover, which is really sad, and Checo, we know he could get his elbows out, but will he be in a position and have the opportunity to fight the two Mercedes cars as well, because that I think will be quite exciting to see, uh, seeing Checo fighting Hamilton wheel to wheel, for example, so yeah, you know, I think last time <laughs> I came out and predicted, oh yeah, I reckon Red Bull are going to win this one, and they had a, such a, not as bad weekend, but it was not as good as what they would have expected, but I have a feeling this time that they'll be a lot more comfortable, and I think Max should be able to come away with the chocolates at the end of Sunday. Elsewhere, though, how much longer before McLaren hits his, uh, sorry, how much longer before Ricardo hits his stride at McLaren? That's been, been the big question all week, the last couple of weeks, and as I said before, you know, it's it's just, it's going to happen, just be patient, and it will happen, I mean, good on Lando for showing everyone wrong, or proving everyone wrong that he can be the lead driver there, but also I think Ricardo will get up there very soon, so we just got to wait, one good qualifying and one good race result, and then everyone will be saying, oh, well, here's the driver that we all expected would uh, we would see in a McLaren Mercedes. Aston Martin, who have said have had a rough start to the season. There'll be upgrades for Seb this weekend, which um, Lance already had. So hopefully a boost to Seb and his confidence. But, you know, it's just going to come down to what the, the result sheet says at the end of the day. You've also got the return of the King. Uh, Alonso racing at home for the first time since 2018 of course, in a Formula 1 car, so, and I think with both Spaniards going really well at the moment, uh, Carlos Sainz as well, I think a good result for Ferrari and Alpine will really boost the Spanish people's morale, but uh, when you look at how the race went here last year, it wasn't really a good race for the um, Endstone team, more formerly known as Renault, 
with both cars outside of the top 10. I think they qualified outside the top 10 too and just didn't really move. So you would hope that this year they have a bit of an improved race. Ferrari last year, they saw Seb move from P11 to 9th. So, you know, they'd be hoping for points with both cars. Uh, Leclerc actually ended the race with a retirement. So, yeah, they'll be hoping that that's not the case this time. But it should be a good one. Barcelona hasn't normally provided very exciting racing in the last few years, so I'm hoping that, you know, this, well, since 2016, really, so I'm hoping, you know, what, how many years has that been? 17, 18, 19, 20, you know, fifth time lucky, I think, you know, we should hopefully get something a bit better for this year. Not saying that we're going to have a repeat of a Pasta Maldonado type win, but, you know, that might be, that might be nice. Who knows? It won't be as a pen, that's for sure. Um, so we'll just, yeah, see how we go. I probably should update my F1 fantasy team too if I'm in any, uh, or if I have any hope of scoring more points and actually winning the league this year. But, oh, well, we'll see how we go come Saturday night. Um, will I actually remember Saturday night to do that? Anyway, anyway. <laughs> I look then around the world to round out the podcast today, this week. Yep. Sorry, just lost my train of thought. <laughs> um, yeah, so as I said at the start, we had IndyCar, we had MotoGP on, we had WEC on. I didn't watch the WEC, as I said, but congratulations to Toyota for winning the first race of the hypercar era. That'll be exciting. Exciting news, actually, to hear as well that um, we're going to have this awesome collaboration or reunion, I should say, between Porsche and Penske from 2023, they're going to enter an LMDH car, so not a um, hypercar, bespoke hypercar, but one of the Daytona um, prototypes, but with able to do WEC as well, so they'll be able to race at Le Mans, Penske will be back at Le Mans, but also back in IMSA as well with the Porsche, so they've been racing in IMSA, obviously, in the top class with Acura for the last few years, so yeah, they'll be heading back there with Porsche in 2023, so that's really exciting to hear, but in the world of IndyCar, it was a day of the great Scots, i got to say, on, on um, Saturday at the Genesis 300, I think, you know, they, they've got sponsor names for like two separate races on the same weekend at the same venue, it's hilarious, um, Though I was more happy for Scott McLaughlin finishing in second in only, what, his third, sorry, fourth IndyCar race, I should say, um, finishing on the podium, P2 behind the great Scott Dixon, of course, the reigning champion, and also, you know, pushing him until the end of the race, he could have won there as well, so imagine if Scotty had won, you know, New Zealand would have been in raptures, not that they aren't already with um, two Kiwis called Scott finishing one and two, so that was a great result, and also for him to be the top Penske car on the day as well, I think was really good, and then the model of consistency, I think he finished in the top eight for the second race, the XPEL 375, so he's doing really well, and it just gets me excited, because we're in the month of May now, of course, and for all those IndyCar lovers, you know that the month of May is all about Indianapolis, the Indy 500, there on the final weekend, um, and do we dare to dream that, you know, because of how good Scotty's done in his first ever oval race weekend, do we dare to dream that he'll have his face on the Borg Warner Trophy? You never know. 
you never know. It would be quite something. <laughs> I'm not going to get too excited straight away. I don't want to jinx him or anything, but good on him for doing really well this weekend there at Texas. And then the second, um, for the second race, the uh, race winner, Pato O'Ward. So McLaren winning their first race now that they're back in IndyCar there with uh, Schmidt-Peterson. So Pato O'Ward was P3 on Saturday, was able to win the race on Sunday. And you know what that means, as we, I think, mentioned last week, that, you know, there was a promise by CEO Zach Brown that Pato would get to test the McLaren F1 car at the end of the year. That's going to happen, so he'll be able to take part of the young driver test in Abu Dhabi. Not that I think that that'll amount to Pato getting a call up to the F1 team anytime soon, but, you know, you never know with the way that um, motorsport works and how fickle it can be sometimes, but good on Pato for doing that. And you got to say, possible championship contender as well for, for IndyCar this year. It's looking very mixed at the moment, but it usually does settle out after the month of May and once Indy is done as well that we get out championship hopefuls kind of come to the fore but you can really say that your regulars like Dixon and, and Newgarden they'll be up there but if someone like Pato can get in there as well um, Alex Pelos looked really well good Colton Herter yeah he's carrying Andretti with him this year sad race you know for Oh, James Hinchcliffe, I think, crashed out. You know, Alex Rossi getting taken out in the second race as well, which was annoying. And for Seb Bourdais, I think he got crashed out of both races, you know, over the weekend. It wasn't even his fault. So, you know, those guys having a bit of a, a rough uh, time at the moment. But, yeah, I think maybe Colton Herter might be the one to... Uh, might be the one to take Andretti's charge for the championship this year, but early days yet. MotoGP as well gave one of its most exciting results I've seen in a while, of course, from a from an Aussie fan, that is, and that's um, a win for Thriller Miller, Jack Miller winning there in Hareth, Ducati 1-2 finish, of course, with Peke Bagnaia coming home in second, and really sad ending in the race there for Fabio Quattararo, who looked by all means to go for a hat-trick of wins there in Hareth, hat-trick of wins this season, because he won there at the... Um, the Doha Grand Prix, he won last time out in Portugal, and he was on a roll, but um, even though he was on pole and he led for most of the race, it was an arm pump problem that uh, kind of hurt him at the end, and he just couldn't deal with the pain and kind of fell away, so he had he has had surgery since then, so hopefully he'll be right to go for his home race in Le Mans next weekend, but you know, for, for Miller as well, his first win since 2016, you know, when he won um, was it 16, I think, yeah, there at, um, at, at Assen, so in the wet there for Mark VDS Racing, so, you know, great result for him, and hopefully the start of what could be a Ducati push for the championship, something that they've not really done, and they would have hoped to do with this new lineup there of Bagnaia and Miller, so, and you had Franco Morbidelli on the podium as well, so good result for him after what's been a tough start to the season, and yeah, don't really want to talk about Valentino Rossi, hey, because it's not been that great, but um, Mark Marquez as well has had a bit of a rough uh, weekend back, um, coming back to the scene, I guess, of his, uh, <laughs> coming back to the scene of his big crash last year, which basically ruled him out from racing for a whole year, so he had another crash this weekend, which 
was a bit scary, but he was fine. He ended up racing till the end, and I can't even remember where he finished, but I don't know. I, you know, I think it's going to be very difficult for Marquez to make really any kind of impact this year. Who knows if he's ever going to be right to go again in MotoGP, but hey, six-time world champion in the Premier Class. That's still pretty good. Still pretty good, but this is no way me ruling him out. I hope he does come back strong because it would be great. And finally, to wrap things up, Bend Super Sprint this weekend in the supercars. So a lot of chatter going on as well around Gen 3 and the possibility of it being delayed or the start of the season possibly next year being delayed to allow Gen 3 to, you know, come fully online. Um, There's going to be a bit of a meeting, I think, this weekend there. They're saying they're going to meet all 11 teams are going to meet with supercars to discuss what is going on you know there's been the whole debate about whether we're going to have paddle shift or stick shift um you know these silly things you know the fact that they're trying to target a low cost formula for for gen 3 yeah you know there's things coming out saying oh you know we're going to have electronic review mirrors um can't even get the engine formula sorted yet you know whether they keep the same v8 engines or they go for off the shelf uh chevrolet and ford motors as well for next year which you know is going to cause all sorts of problem all sorts of problems and bother with when it comes to parity as well so this is the problem i've been trying to write a piece about gen 3 and you know what to expect yet you know suddenly have to go back and change it every couple of days because of what's going on so i think i might just have to change it at this stage to a gen 3 wish list you know this is what i would like to see uh in gen 3 you know coming from a rational perspective and also a little bit of fantasy there as well because you know there's some things i know they're not going to quite do but i don't want to see supercars go down the path of dtm where they basically become a gt3 series nor do i want supercars to go down the path of nascar you know where they just they just have yeah, they're just rubbish although some people think nascar produces spectacular racing i would like to see what we ha- currently have but in a more low-cost kind of environment, but also trying to create that appeal for new manufacturers to join as well, and join a touring car um, series, not a GT3 or, you know, prototypes kind of series. So it's all those questions as to, you know, what do they really want? You know, at the same time, we want the great racing as well. We want the drivers to have the same skill set that they do at the moment. We want them to be the stars of the show as well. So how do they balance all that? That's the main thing. So a lot for them to discuss and apparently still work out because it's not as um, concrete as we would have thought it would be. Given that really this time next year we'll have Gen 3 cars on track racing, you know, whatever the calendar looks like. So a lot for them to work out and hopefully this weekend is a positive step in the future because it's really concerning that, you know, they're going to talk about delaying it again for another year. Like, it was understandable that we delayed it a year already, given that, you know, last year was 2020 and we couldn't really do anything and work towards this year. You saw F1 do it as well for their next big shift in regulations show. So, 2022 has got to be the crunch year, and if they can't get it, then doesn't that just show a failing in the supercars administration for not being able to to get it there 
you know, I'm sure it's nothing to do with the teams and everything. And, you know, if supercars was firm, you know, they would get the feedback they need to this weekend, you know, from the teams, from the drivers, whoever they need to, so they can solidify what the plans are for the future. And, you know, ultimately it's the fans who are going to do the talking if uh, it doesn't work out the way that uh, they would like it to be. So, yeah. Anyway, this weekend, going back to the bend there in South Australia, confusing track. Love it, though, because I've been there. Good vantage points and everything, so hopefully the fans have a good weekend out there. We'll have an expanded grid, of course, with two wild cards there. Thomas Randall there for Tickford. Actually, he did a wild card there back in 2019 when uh, we were there. Uh, so good to see him getting another run there, and Kurt Kostecki as well getting a wild card run there for Walkinshaw and Reading United. Saturday's race nine as well marked 223 days since Ford last won, and that was actually Cam Waters here at the bend, you know, where they did the race on the short layout, so, you know, big weekend, you know, especially for Ford faithfuls and the Ford teams to try and break that drought, you know, if this championship is going to involve the likes of Cam Waters, then they've really got to put their foot down and get a win under their belt, because, yeah, you know, up until uh, the final race there in Tassie, last time out, it was a triple eight domination, so, you know, and I know some people cried a foul of um, parity and how it's worked in the favour of Holden this year, but I think, you know, the spread of racing is good, and the talent is good as well, it's just they've got to execute, and I think, you know, Tickford have got to try and extract that last little bit that they need to get their race pace there, and be able to do a good job, so yeah, hopefully they have a good weekend, and we'll enjoy it. Well, thanks anyway for tuning in, uh, as always, um, I hope you enjoy the weekend, whatever you're doing, whatever racing you're watching, if you're not watching any racing, well, great, hope you enjoy your weekend anyway, um, please feel free to get in touch via our social media channels there, of course Twitter, at Hit the Avex Media, and of course so I've got the Linktree link there too, so you can follow all the other great things that I might get up to on the weekend in terms of the racing, so yeah, until the next week's debrief, ciao!